0: Welcome to the ColbyCast episode 143. Thank you for joining us. Our own Jordan Almanzar was recently a guest of Soren Schwab on CLT's Anchored podcast. Feeling a bit left out, we invited Soren to the ColbyCast who joins us today. Soren shares his story from growing up in Germany to his current role with CLT. He also provides great insights into how standardized testing influences what is taught in schools, the hope of education in our country, and much more. We hope that you'll enjoy the show.
1: Hi there. I'm Bonnie, liturgical musician, popcorn and podcast fanatic, and Colby homeschooling mom to four lads and lasses of middle and high school age.
0: And this is Stephen, homeschooling father of five and director of development for Colby Academy. And I'm Jordan.
2: As a product of homeschooling, I'm proud to teach Greek and Latin for Colby online and serve as the alumni and public relations director.
1: Jordan, how is your pot of coffee? Do you have that with you today?
2: I have it like always, always bring a pot of coffee up here. So (laughs) it's still nice and hot.
1: Excellent. Mine is all gone already. Very sad. Oh, Oh, well, how about you, Stephen? How are you and your people doing?
0: Well, we're on our second pot of coffee here because my (laughs) son, my mother and I all drink coffee and we're together this morning. So it's on to pot number two.
1: Okay. (laughs) Okay. All right. It's a good morning for that. Uh, we're joined today by Soren Schwab, Vice President of Partnerships for Classic Learning Test, more commonly referred to around here as CLT. He and Jordan recently had a great conversation on CLT's podcast, Anchored. Today, Soren is joining us on the ColbyCast. Hello, how's your coffee situation?
3: Thanks for having me. It's uh, it's it's great. Yeah, I stayed up a little late watching, watching football last night, so I think I'm on cup four or so, okay. <laughs> um, but okay. uh, yeah, doing well. Appreciate y'all okay. having me.
1: Oh, I've been looking forward to it. Thanks so much for coming to visit with us. I understand you are from Germany and have quite the background in classical education, which um, we don't normally put those two together, right? So I, at the risk of having you repeat yourself, would you tell us a story of how you ended up in the United States doing what you're doing now?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Happy to. Yeah, I, I grew up in Germany, like you said, um, born and raised. I don't have American relatives or um, yeah, so so English is actually my third language. I learned French first because I grew up right on the border to to France in a, in a small town called uh, deux ponts, uh, two bridges, uh, translated, and uh, and so French, you know, French border. I could literally walk to from my house, and so that was the first language that I that I uh, learned. and um, I'm 36, so I'm a I'm an '80s '80s child, and uh, and I I like to say I'm the MTV generation, and so (laughs) it was around that time that that uh, that MTV started when they still had music, I guess. Um, And so I've always been kind of interested, uh, initially with with American culture, and then later on with American. Uh, history and in, in literature, but um, yeah, I went to uh, I went to school. We don't have K twelve. It looks a little bit different. Uh, Jordan knows a lot more about that. Uh, but I went to gymnasium, which is the track, so to speak. That um, that that students take that want to go to um, university, um, and and kind of from early on, um, I I always liked coaching. I was a, I was a handball, a team handball player, and was always a kind of a coach or an assistant coach. So I always loved kind of working with with other with other um, uh, players uh, and then you know kind of tutoring on the side a little bit here and there. So I always felt a calling to be a teacher, and uh, and so I applied to university after finishing my Abitur, and uh, as many Germans do, I picked the one that's closest to my house because it there's not there's not really this idea of like oh there's this prestigious university or well, I really want to get into this school. It's do they have the major that I want and. In this case, I, I, I wanted to be an English and, and religion teacher. And, and so the Sarland University... Mines, Mines or Bonn? You know, actually, I got into Mainz, um, which, you know, hindsight, there are so many things I, I probably would have done differently. But uh, I did get into Mainz, um, which is, of course, the, the birthplace of Gutenberg. Um, but I didn't because that was uh, that was an hour away and I didn't want to go quite that far away. So I went to Sarland University, um, mm-hmm. which... If our listeners know anything about the Saarland, that was pretty much the state that go back and forth between France and Germany. (laughs) And so um, that was only like 20, 25 minutes away. I could take the train while I could still play team handball back home. It was not a residential campus. And so I would really just go take a class and then go home. And and so very different experience than probably most Americans have, even though maybe we can talk about that later on. But it seems like even American universities are kind of heading in that direction, unfortunately. Um, And so I I started university there. Um, we we don't have the typical kind of bachelor's and master's um, system, but it was a Grundstudium. um, And then um, I guess the Hauptstudium would be your master's. So the Grundstudium is kind of your basic studies. So kind of like a bachelor's. Um, It takes a little bit less because we don't have to take any uh, core curriculum classes. (laughs) So you go right into your major. Um, So it only took about two and a half years. And so I got my quote unquote bachelor's um, at that point. Now... I wanted to be an English teacher, and if you want to be an english teacher in in Germany um you have to go abroad they make you they make you go abroad, especially if you want to teach at the highest level at, at the gymnasium and uh, and so I it was about two thousand and eight two thousand and nine I started looking around you know what could I do I mean the options are really limitless you can do you can go to Australia and do a work and travel you know you can you can get a job somewhere and do that for for six months um, but it was around that time that i that I took a a really interesting class at university. And it was, uh, I think it was Huckleberry Finn um, and, and its impact on, on American literature and culture. And really before that, I mean, at that point, uh, I was still quote unquote speaking British English, because that's what I learned. I learned about Mr. Flanders, who has a flat and drives a car in, in London. Um, and, uh, and uh, you know, you, you take your Shakespeare class and whatnot. And so, um, but I took that, that American uh, literature class and For me at least it kind of changed everything i learned a lot about uh, american culture american history um the centrality of that novel of course and so i thought hmm, maybe i can go abroad to the us and um they were about i think six or seven kind of sister schools that my university had Um, and some of them were missouri uh, uh boise state uh i think university of new brunswick in canada uh, a, a couple other, I think, Oklahoma State. Now, I'm attending a, a really large public research university, like 20,000 students. I was just a number, right? I still remember my matriculation number. That's how you were known, by your matriculation number. You know, a professor comes in with a, with a microphone and lectures to 400 people and leaves never to be seen again because, you know, he just does, does research, doesn't really care about the teaching. And, uh, and so all these, these schools seem to be the same. Um, these big, big universities. And so there was one school on the list that I've never heard about. It's called Hillsdale College. And uh, and so I threw my hat in there and I, I threw my hat in a few other ones because I, I wasn't sure what my chances would be, but um, turns out God had had a plan for me and, uh, and I was accepted uh, to Hillsdale College uh, just for an exchange year. So it was really just uh, one year Go abroad, take some classes. Doesn't matter what grade you're going to get; just don't fail. Um, and uh, after 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 one year, um, you just come back, and then you essentially go into your master's um, studies. And um, well, my mom likes to remind me. I've, I've always been bad at math, and so uh, one year turned into now uh, 11, I think. And I'm I'm still I'm still in the United States, but but that's really kind of that uh, how I ended up in in the U.S. in the, in the first place.
2: Yeah, I remember um, one time talking with you, Soren. You were, you were talking about um, there was there some kind of handball connection in the U.S. as well. Like, it was or was that all in Germany?
3: No, that was that was all in Germany. Un- unfortunately, you know, now I live I live close to D.C., and so there are some uh, team handball clubs, but. I feel like i'm too old now <laughs> it's kind of a it's a physical sport and so but no and unfortunately there wasn't um and 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 funny thing and your listeners might might know that when they hear handball a lot of people think of the sport that's kind of like racquetball or squash i think mm-hmm. um and not the team handball that i played so you usually have to tell people no no it's the the olympic sport where you where you dribble a ball like in basketball but you try to score a goal like in soccer and so it's kind of a blend between the two and it's huge in Germany too. I mean, it's, it, it's on television. It, it's
2: probably, what would you say? Third sport, third, most popular second. or fourth? Yeah. It's second. still,
3: yeah, it's the second, even though for some reason American football is is getting up there. It is That's with the ran uh, R-A-N. Yeah. Uh, do you, you watch that with uh, Iggy, that guy with the. <laughs> yeah. I sure do. And, and uh, my, uh, yeah, my family, they, it's something we can bond over. My mom doesn't care, but, but my dad and my brother and my brother is a Kansas city chief fan and I'm an Eagles fan. So, Oh um, yes, they, they do. <laughs> and it's, it's pretty intense, but, but, but handball still is. It's just unfortunately never made it to the U S and the world cup just happened. And, you know, the U S actually made it to the world cup, I think for the first time, but it just hasn't gotten the traction. But then again, you go to Germany and ask anyone about baseball and they just shake their heads. So it, you know, yeah. just might be a, a country thing. Um, I think there was, you, you, you had a,
2: in our a previous conversation um I, th- I think I remember you talking about how there was there was some sort of sponsor in the U.S. that that helped you stay longer or something like that. Can, could you talk yeah. about that a little bit?
3: Yeah, I'd be happy to. And so, as I mentioned, the idea was um, for it to just be one e- year, exchange year, and uh, it was free. Free. Someone paid for it, right? I know that now. Uh, having been immersed in, uh, in 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 American culture and in, in capitalism, uh, someone obviously paid for it. But but it was it was free for for me. And, and I, I mean, they had to, right? Because because uh, university is free in Germany, and so no one would want to do an exchange year if they had to pay tuition. Uh, of course, I had to pay for um uh, for my flight and 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 everything else. But um, and so that was just that one year. Well. I was blissfully naive going in. I mean, I, I knew some things about, about American College. I, quite frankly, didn't quite know what GPA meant, um, you know, or I mean, I heard about the ABCDF kind of structure, but, you know, it, I was just, this was my kind of my year to just honestly have have fun, go abroad, make some connections, make some friends, of course, learn the language better and more intimately. I mean, at that point, I think my accent was still pretty strong, like this um, <laughs> when I when I first came to the U.S. And so, yeah, I I I was going in and like I'm gonna get rid of my accent and it's gonna be great. Um, after about one semester, I did pretty well. I don't remember what my GPA was, but again i i had no expectations and so there were a few professors that that came up to me and said hey have you thought about potentially staying longer and um and at that point really i i just, something started to click for me um about just the value of education the pr- purpose of education um and uh and i thought wow that i would love to um stay longer but i could never afford that i mean we didn't have you know, you don't have like college savings um, in, in Germany. And so my, my parents did were middle class, uh, upper middle class, we did fine, but there was no way for me to finance that. And so um, I, I started to frequently uh, visit the, the financial aid office and and a guy named Rich Mogenberg, a uh, good German name. And, and uh, we bonded over soccer, even though I don't even like soccer that much, I didn't tell him that, but he loved it. Um, and uh, we had conversations about that and, and so, uh, it, I think had I gone to, you know, Boise State, Michigan State, any of these schools, there's no way I would have gotten the kinds of scholarships that I got, right? Because they're public universities, but but he'll still be in a private school. Um, They felt like I was a good fit for the college. They knew after my first semester that I could do the coursework, and then they did everything they could to keep me, and and I could not be more grateful. And so I got a scholarship because I was an international student. I got a scholarship because of my grades. but it still wasn't quite enough. And, uh, and so I kept talking to Mr. Mogenberg and he, and he said, I'm going to make some calls. And, and, and this guy, I mean, he's, he's amazing. He, he, he ends up calling some folks, local folks in Hillsdale and he finds this one family. Uh, I think Susie and Mark were their names and, and they were in their seventies at that point, lived in lived in Hillsdale. And we're just, we're just love, loved the college. And, um, and so they ended up uh, paying, I think two and a half thousand dollars every semester for the next two years, um, so that I could attend Hillsdale College, and uh, I I can't thank them enough. I mean, it was just you know just folks that wanted to do do some good in the community and and let a let a German uh, stay at Hillsdale, and so yeah, it was it was really a a, a life changing experience, and couldn't have done it without without Susie and Mark. So
1: from the Hillsdale. To where you are now. What is how is what's the rest of the story?
3: Yeah, um it, it's interesting, right? Because I, it, you would think, oh, you went to Hillsdale. Obviously, you're immersed in classical education. I didn't really know what classical education was. The term classical education itself, it, the, the the word classical is has kind of been added on the last few decades, right? It was just called education. That's about it. Um, yeah. Jeremy, our boss, likes to say, you know, that now I go to supermarkets and and they. They call it everything or, like they call it organic milk. Well, it was called milk for a long time until they start putting garbage in it. And I think that's the same with education. And so I wasn't really aware of, 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 of classical education. Unfortunately, I wasn't even aware of the liberal arts. And granted, I grew up in Germany, right? I mean, you know, Greece is not that far away. Rome is not that far away. But I, I was not familiar with it at all. I mean, it is so utilitarian, Everything is just, you do this so you can get something out of it, right? You have to take this class, you get this paper so you can go to the next. I never thought of education, as anything enriching, anything uh, forming me or or my soul and my heart. Um, That completely changed um, at Hillsdale, right? Where uh, I, even though I complained at first, I had to take classes. I had to, right? I had to take, uh, you know, art history class, a philosophy class, a psychology class. Now, of course... 10 years later I'm so grateful and now I always say I get to right you, you, students get to take these classes but it was unfathomable for me in Germany to take a class that was outside of my major it wouldn't have been possible right you can't why would you it doesn't serve a purpose and so so Hillsteel really put me kind of on a different trajectory where I thought start thinking about education uh, differently i i did some um um, some student teaching while I was there. I was not required, but I re- really wanted to. And that was at a charter school, a local charter school in um in Hillsdale. And so I think at that point I, I still felt like I, I probably would go back to Germany. Um, you know, ultimately, I didn't think any American school would hire me to teach English. I mean, it's <laughs> not my first language. Why would they hire me? Um, you know, but I, again, I talked to some professors, talked to some some school leaders, and and they said I, I think you have something to offer, um, and and maybe your English isn't isn't perfect yet, but you're really good at explaining it because you understand the grammar. You actually learned the grammar. A lot of Amer- a lot of Americans don't don't uh, get taught grammar anymore. And so I'm like, wait, yeah. what? Why wouldn't you? Right? And so now, of course, like the knowledge that I have now, I'm like, oh yeah, you're right. I guess. I can explain the predicate nominative. most Americans don't even know that's a thing. And so uh, they said, well, why don't you um, apply for some some jobs and and in fact, every February, Hillsdale hosts what is called a classical job fair, uh, where dozens and dozens of classical schools come to campus at Hillsdale to interview juniors and seniors that want to go into teaching. and And so I thought, oh, all right, well that that sounds like I would do that, and so they they prep you really well in your resume and 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 you know and do some some sample interviews with you and so um I think it was twenty twelve in february i you know i wore my one suit that i owned and uh and I interviewed with 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 dozens of schools and um yeah i I think it went pretty well and and i uh, had a few had a few options um but there was a school in Colorado springs a a charter school classical charter school called the vanguard school um that that took a chance on me and and um and so I accepted that job in, I think, April 2012. They did fly me out to Colorado and I did a sample lesson and, and saw the beautiful mountains that reminded me of the Alps. And so there was a little bit of that. It <laughs> was a little bit like, you know, like Germany. And, um, and so, yeah, in, in 2012 fall, I started teaching teaching full time at a classical charter school. And so I started to have kind of the, the philosophical background um, at, at Hillsdale. And then I got to, got to teach at a classical school uh, in Colorado Springs for a while
2: yeah i want to i want to ask you a little bit about the you you said you had never thought of education as enriching and when i went to germany it was for graduate school i mean it was for a phd so it was of course it was everybody was just hyper focused on a very narrow area but i met a lot of uh I, i met a lot of the what we would call undergrads but you know the the 20 year olds and and all of that and from what i gathered um we never made it with my own children into the gymnasium period. We left before that in gymnasium. Do they start focusing you in a narrow area? Even then, like you choose, you're going to go into what we would call like a STEM subject or something. And, and then from there you, you go to your university studies. And isn't there a gap there too? Like we're a civil service year type thing before that. So, so the students, what I'm getting at kind of too, is that you didn't live on campus. And also, I lived on campus in a house with these undergrads, as you would call them, with a bunch of them when I was doing my PhD. But it wasn't a there was no party school like it wasn't they were a little older and they were there for a very serious reason in their minds. And so everybody was just kind of focused on their area academically. Um, Can you talk a little bit about that experience, like that process, gymnasium
3: to that Major and then you know how that works. Yeah, no, that's that's Jordan, I, I, you're you're spot on, and it's not much different for undergrad. Unfortunately, I I really wish it were, and that's why I said earlier, I I, I really hope the U.S. can kind of um, learn from that and not go in that direction. But I think we're already there. Um, and so even in gymnasium, so gymnasium starts in fifth grade. So you do your your elementary school, um, and then you go, you know, either to a track that leads you more towards a trade school um or uh, a track that leads you more towards a say uh, where you can pursue nursing or social work where you don't have to go to a university for 4 years but still require some some further studies and then you have the gymnasium from 5th to 12th 13th actually at 13 years and then you go to university it, it, but even even there uh, Jordan it started in 11th grade i believe it was So in 10th grade you have to decide what what focus you want uh, 11th, 12th, and 13th grade. And so uh, now you can't just say, I want to just study, you know, chemistry, biology, and physics. You, there has to be a certain combination of subject that you can choose, but you essentially select majors. And so I remember I was, a, I was an English, German, um, and, and chemistry major, because you couldn't, I would have loved to take three, I would have loved to take English, German, and Spanish, but you can't do that. They They make you, if you do two languages, you have to take a, um, you have to take a science, or if you take two socials, you have so so there are some some limitations there. But um, and then those subjects you have five times a week, and then there are other subjects like math, you still have to take, um, but only three times a week. And so there's already a specialization based on, you know, your plan after graduation. So I did that. And then at that point, uh, when you then apply to uh, university, which is a little bit different. And so <laughs> I remember teaching seniors and, and they talked about senioritis and, and all these things. And I thought, what does that mean? And I was, it was explained to me and I thought, wow, that is, that is so fundamentally different because in Germany, your Abitur is at the, at the absolute culmination of your, you know, schooling or your education, even though it feels like, certainly feels like schooling. Um, and so, you know, you finish all your classes and then in your three major subjects, you have three five-hour exams. And then depending on your combination, so I had uh, German, English, and chemistry. Well, there was no social uh, studies in there. And so I had to do a one-hour oral examination, either g- geography or history. So I did history. So, uh, I mean, in, in in college, they talk about, pardon my language, hell week, right? When you're like, oh, my God, I have exams and finals. Well, Okay, uh, please. <laughs> I mean, that was pretty... And, and the major difference is that these make up for, I think, 70 or 80% of your final GPA, so to speak. And so you cannot slack until you have, so to speak, that paper, which is a little bit different from here, where pretty much senior years, like, once you get accepted, you kind of coast. So I think actually one thing I do appreciate about, about the German education system, um, but <clears throat> once you then you, you pass, you know, you get your your... For us, it's an NC, a numerus clausus. Um, it's essentially your, your GPA. Then you use that to apply to university. Well, you don't really apply to the university. You apply to a field of study within the university, a subject. And so I didn't apply to Saarland University. I applied to essentially to be an English and religion teacher at the University of Saarland. And and so there's not like, did you get into University of Saarland? It's, did you make the NC, the GPA to get into that field? And so it is it's different uh it's it's uh it's a little ridiculous in, in in my mind um but in a way it makes sense because it's so specialized that you know if, if you want to study medicine you know if you want to study architecture engineering you have to have a higher gpa to get into that program than if you want to study other other subjects um and so yeah do your initial, initial question uh, jordan uh the, 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 the hyper-specializing is, is happening in undergrad. Um, there were students on campus that lived on campus. It was mostly folks that came from, from out of town, farther out of town. Um, but even they usually didn't live in dorms. They usually lived in the city and, and oftentimes just lived their own life. There's no club sports, right? Like, like any kind of, uh, sorry, there's no college sports, anything that keeps that together. It's just all club. And that's what I did. That's why I stayed in my hometown to play for my club. And, uh, there's not really this, this, this college cultural identity. I mean, not, I have like five Hillsdale hoodies. I I never, I don't even know if we had any Starland university swag. It's just, you don't really identify with your school, but I think the main reason is that you don't look at it as pursuing something noble, something higher with your peers. It's just, I do this for myself, right. So that I can get a piece of paper that allows me to teach children. Um, And so I I really, I, I don't have any friends, you know, from, from my time there. And I was there for almost three years. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was looking back, it's 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 really sad. Um, and uh, Hillsdale, of course, was the complete opposite. And for a while, I thought, oh, that's what American college is, But come to learn, no, it's actually not. Hillsdale is is unique in that in that in that, you know, with some schools like you know benedictine and franciscan and uh, and Christendom and others, um, and that the the majority of American universities are pretty much now like my experience was in Germany yeah, it's it's really amazing to think
2: that. That that jump to Hillsdale, which you almost because you almost selected it randomly, I mean, you had your reasonings behind it, you didn't realize you were jumping into sort of a movement, which you're actually a part of now a big part of this movement, the CLT is front and center and we've had um, Jeremy Tate. He, on this podcast, and he talks about he wants to pick a fight with the the, the big boys out there, you know. And uh, mm-hmm. you, you, you. So you really grew into this um, this opportunity that that we're a part of here at Colby as well. Um, can you talk a little bit about your your like day to day with that? What What are you guys
3: up to over there, and especially your role? Yeah. So as I mentioned, I, I was I was first I was a teacher at um, at Vanguard. And so i was teaching mostly um, english literature and uh, i did some german because you know i'm german so they made me they they made me start a german program there which was amazing but uh and some history um, as well and and so i was first exposed to standardized testing because we don't have standardized tests in germany it, it, you know which is now of course i'm vice president of partnerships at a standardized testing company i've never taking a standardized test the irony there (laughs) um but at least i saw the influence of of the testing when i was there at the same time i I was getting a master's degree in education from colorado christian and i learned learned a lot about um standards Uh, at that point you've probably heard of those common core standards that was a you know that was 2015 around that time 2013 14 15 uh when they were kind of pushed down into the into the school so um I kind of learned about standardized testing, and then I saw firsthand, as a as a teacher and later administrator, um, kind of the the power that standardized tests have over um, students, uh, schools, families, and, and that really um, made me t- take a deep dive into the history of standardized testing um, and uh, and and really look for alternatives. Which, of course, as 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 you mentioned, uh, my my boss Jeremy Tate was around. Uh, during that time, uh, finding a solution for for what I considered a, a huge, huge problem in education that no one seemed to be talking about, uh, and that was testing. And so, 2018, I um, I connected with with Mr. Tate. Um, I think it was I don't even know how I connected. I think it was through a through someone that worked at CLT. I was connected with him on LinkedIn, and I saw he works for Classic Learning Test. Like, oh. Uh, wonder what that is. So I connected with him and a day later, I was on the phone with Jeremy. And, and um, if you know anything about Jeremy, I mean, he is probably, he's a visionary. Uh, he is incredibly charismatic. He's so passionate. He's, he's a strong believer um, and uh, and just an amazing guy. And so it didn't take me long to be convinced that that he's onto something, even though CLT was still pretty small at that point. Um, and so my now wife and I took to kind of leap of faith and, and moved from uh, from Colorado Springs to the East Coast to Annapolis, Maryland, in in 2018, and and I started at first. Um, you know, we CLT was never really conceived. Well, first of all, as a company, <laughs> it was just an idea at first, right? And then it was never really conceived as a as a as a, a business to business, so to speak. It, it was just early on. Is hey, we have a test, you can take it online and you can go to like a test site or something and, and uh, you can sign up through the website and it's really just for families considered direct to consumer um, but 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 Jeremy really early on and, and probably a little bit talking to me too in my experience at a school that that we can actually solve the problem for schools as well and so so 2018 I was hired as a I think it was director of of secondary schools uh, and really to, to build, help build out um, a plan to, to serve our schools more. And at, at that point, we just started our third test, the CLT8. So then we just had the CLT8, CLT10, and the CLT. So really a, a suite for 7th through 12th grade. Um, and so now it's 2023, and, and I now serve as the Vice President of Partnerships, which essentially is VP of Sales and Marketing. So I lead the, the sales team and the and the marketing team uh, and kind of coordinate and, 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 and set strategy for that. And, and of course still get to visit a lot of schools and, and connect with homeschool leaders and, and all the fun things. But, but now we have a, we have a a fairly large, uh, a large team, um, and the sales and marketing as well.
1: Yeah. We've gotten to talk to Jeremy Tate and also Kimberly Farley. She was on episode one We'll link both those episodes in our show notes. You were mentioning that you now have, um, Testing for younger grades too. Would you tell us more about that?
3: Yeah, absolutely. And 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 I, I like to say in an ideal world, right? There'd be no need for CLT. Um, you know, I, is it Federalist fifty one? If all men were angels, right? There'd be no need for government. Uh, and here we are. <laughs> we're not. And so I think I think the interesting thing about CLT too is that. It, I don't think anyone at CLT is 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 here because we we absolutely love testing and that's all we want to talk about and do right. <laughs> it's really this part of this larger movement, like you like you said earlier, Bonnie. And so, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we started with the college entrance exam because Jeremy liked to say, you know, I want to pick a fight with College Board because he saw that that students don't don't want to take anything that doesn't get them either five points on the AP or or a higher SAT score, and so you know, these quote unquote, useless things like theology and, 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 and history and, and, and philosophy, right? Well, if they don't get you anything, if you're a 16 year old, and, and you know, everything around you says utilitarian, then then that's a problem, right? And so um, we, we started with that. And then we went down to ninth and 10th grade, um, and then seventh and eighth grade. But really, the last three or four years, I mean, almost every conversation I have, whether it's with a school leader or with the homeschool a uh, co-op or a homeschool leader, um, they say, "Yeah, that's that's great, and we love that you do that." But also, we need tests for the grammar school um, because that's really, really, really where we're struggling. And and I think part of it is, it, I like to sometimes think of testing like meetings. Right? People say, "Oh, I hate meetings." No, we. I don't think people hate meetings. I think we hate bad meetings. <laughs> We hate meetings that we feel like are a waste of time, that don't really apply to us. We hate those meetings. And I think testing is very similar. We don't like testing that we feel like compromises our convictions. We don't like testing that we feel like, you know, does not align with with our educational philosophy or with the content or the curriculum that we teach. That kind of testing is, is bad. Well, it's not only a waste of time, you know, however long it takes. And most standardized tests take several hours or sometimes, you know, over several days. But they also don't really give us any useful feedback or information. And that's really, in the lower grades, what the parents want. I mean, homeschooling is hard. Um, and, and I'm sure a lot of homeschool moms and dads have, have doubts, like, am I doing this right? Mm-hmm. You know, it, I mean, my, my child is, 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 is wonderful. And, and they seem to be doing well. But I, I want some objective measure on if we're doing a good job or if there's anything that we can adjust. And so now and then you take a, a test like the Iowa or the Stanford, or the Nova or the map testing um, that are aligned with kind of standards with which you do not agree, (laughs) certainly with which you don't follow. Um, And so then it feels like a compromise, right? But you in a way still have to, or want to validate that what you're doing is good or the state makes you, right? (laughs) If you're in a state that actually has, has end of test, end of, end of year requirements. And so um, we, we made the decision and it, it, we certainly uh, didn't take it lightly. I mean, it, 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 it's a, it's a big undertaking to go lower in grades. Um, and, uh, but we, we made the call last year and and our test development team has been, has been really, really busy. And so we're developing a CLT3, CLT4, CLT5 and CLT6. So four brand new assessments um, for those grades. Uh, and then of course, on top of the ones for seventh through 12th grade um, that we already have. And so we are very, very excited about it. Uh, I think it's, I think it's, it's, it's necessary. It's required. Um, I think there's a lot right now going on in, in 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 standardized testing that that is going in a direction um let's say of the culture uh and certainly not 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 the one that that we want to be part of um and so maybe we can talk about that later but there's certainly a lot of concern right now uh about the direction of testing and i think the timing could not be be better for us to to go into the into the grammar school uh, assessments and so um, I think every everyone has an agenda right everyone has some kind of ideological bent every testing company does Ours just happens to be uh, truth goodness and beauty and I think that that really sets us apart from from the from the other uh, uh, testing regime regimes yeah there I think it was unexpected that there
2: would be this kind of pushback you know this kind of pushback that so Jeremy like recognizing this this kind of blind spot, There's a pushback there, even with uh, the Newman Guide colleges, Stephen and I were talking off air before about how how he he was kind of plopped into this this movement also and may not have expected that. And um, I want to get Stephen involved in the conversation as well. But I but I want to I wanted to ask you about so you're you're you, you have to start somewhere and then you expand up and down, maybe. But what about geographically? I was teaching homeschoolers online in germany which almost felt like it was illegal i almost felt like what could i get in trouble for this of course not i'm teaching them in america and, and other countries not germany but what about the international opportunity to bring liberal arts and classic books in this kind of education are you guys looking at that
3: yeah i mean i think i think it's it's interesting um you know i th- I wouldn't say we're actively looking, even though, and I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about that. It's sort it kind of organically has happened. Um, you know, we're we're still, even though I'm, I'm sure a lot of your listeners have been hearing about CLT now for a while, but we're still comparatively small, right? And and there's 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 a lot even in the U.S. that that we need to uh, uh, a lot of ground to cover, um, and so we haven't had necessarily an international strategy per se. Um, but I think we talked about this renewal movement. It's happening, and it's happening all over the the world. Uh, certainly in some countries it's harder than others. You mentioned Germany, right, Jordan. Um, but but there's there's a there's a absolutely a, a renewal movement in South America. And so lots of, of especially Catholic um liberal arts schools in in Colombia is one that has, I think percentage wise, one of the largest Brazil, um certainly um Asia. Um, we have we have several partners in in South Korea, in China that bring classical Christian education um and, and some of those are kind of f- f- missionaries right that work with american students there but we're also working with with schools that are no where english is the second language um there's a, there's a, a wonderful school korea liberal arts academy i think the name is and and uh, english is the second language and and they're providing this beautiful liberal arts education and and we're able to to serve them with with our tests um there is a renewal movement happening in australia um, which is fascinating. I'm, right now, I'm coordinating a, a meeting with with a gentleman who's involved there, and with the time difference, I think it's like a 16-hour time difference. It's quite challenging to <laughs> not have it be in the middle of the night for either of us. But um, there's there's a there's a hunger for this, and and uh, I was just connected to a school in Germany, Jordan, a, a classical Christian school that's opening in in Germany, and so I think we're really seeing it across the world um not all of them might be calling it classical um some might be calling it liberal arts or they might not be calling it anything just good education but it's certainly a rejection of 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 progressive education that that's been unfortunately sweeping in this country
0: i'm going to jump back just a little bit to the when you're talking about developing the the test for the younger kids and things and i realize as you're saying CLT is still relatively small that's yeah but i hadn't really thought about how the influence that a standardized test can have on the direction of education, especially, I mean, because if you put a number to success, it's just human nature to say, I want to be successful. This is what's being rewarded. So if that means I need to teach to these tests, which are full of principles that I disagree with, it doesn't really matter. It's real. It doesn't, it does matter, but it's hard, I think, to keep from, seeking the success to to wanting to win the game essentially so it's very refreshing to me even if not every school in the country yet uses the clt but that for schools that want to pursue real education there's a way to to see how you're doing that doesn't force you to pursue an education that you fundamentally disagree with so one. i really excited about CLT and what they're doing.
3: Well, I, I appreciate that, Stephen. Yeah, I, I think, and especially in Catholic schools, we've, we've seen that. I mean, I think part of the, the, um, the growth in Catholic homeschooling is, is a rejection, not just of public schools, it's a rejection of kind of your, your mainstream Catholic, Catholic K-12 schools that really don't look much different from the public schools. And I think part of it, unfortunately, is the standards and the assessments if you visit a you know kind of a, a more progressive catholic school i think they're now the the majority unfortunately i mean some of these schools are owned by college board they, they define themselves uh through the number of national merit scholars they have and and the ap scholars they have and the average sat score and then getting kids into the big public research universities i mean that that's 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 kind of their sense of pride well if that's all over your marketing right if that's if that's Would you pride yourself on? Well, that's what families will want, right? And so they don't come for the Catholic identity, for the formation that we discussed earlier. They come for the quote-unquote worldly things. And so that puts the school in a really tough position, right? Because now that's being demanded of the school. And so what do you do? You're at that crossroads, right? Do I double down on identity? Do I keep teaching these beautiful introduction to philosophy and theology class that are so important to our Catholic faith or, well, but the families want that extra AP class because it might give them some college credit so that they can get ahead. And, uh, and and unfortunately, we've been seeing that the latter has kind of taken over. Um, I think the test is part of it. Because when you think about, it, I mean, you got, I think we just got past a school choice week, right? It's a lot of folks talk about school choice. Um, and You know, in in general, CLT aligns itself with school choice. I mean, we think the parents are the primary educators and they should have a say in where their kids go to school, the school shouldn't be determined by their zip code um, and so forth. But I would argue that when you think about it, can there really be school choice if there's no assessment choice? Because ultimately, you're always going to be beholden to some standard, to some metric, to some measure in order to validate, to the world right to your whatever it is your 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 creditor um you know your homeschool provider uh, the state you always have to show that you're successful now as classical educators we know that the true value and benefit and goal of a, of a classical education is not a number it's it's the impact it has on your soul and your heart on your mind uh but it's hard to measure that right it's not as tangible you can't really put that on the website what you can put on the website are numbers and families understand those. And so I think that's that's the problem we're trying to solve with CLT and so on the one hand we get criticized well why are you trying to solve a problem by just adding to the problem by creating another test but I think it's 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 the, when you think about the kind of test and what we're trying to do I like to think of it as most standardized tests right that need to be studied for right the curriculum needs to be changed in order to adjust to the test and the way we look at th- we think of clt as the test should point back to the homeschool family should point back to the school so that we're not driving it we are be able to validate and complement it i think that's the biggest difference uh and i think the last 10 15 years that's kind of been standing in the way to even more growth um especially on the on the catholic school and homeschool side um so uh all that to say that that's the problem we're trying to solve um, through the same thing, right? Through assessment, but but just one that we we think is is is, is better and and um, uh, and ultimately, is, I think is gonna gonna help homeschool families uh, better validate and and demonstrate uh, all the great work they're doing.
0: Yeah, there's. I remember in the well, probably 15 years ago or so, in working in the homeschooling groups. So it's, this is kind of connected, I guess, where where it, you, we kind of had to be clever as serpents because we had confidence in the education, the the, the general curriculum we we're providing and the fantastic job that these parents were doing in educating their children. But other people outside of the organization, outside of homeschooling, didn't understand that. And so to a large extent, it was, for us at that point, it was converting like okay yeah we're not going to do what they do over there in the school but how can we how can we relay that yes this is we're checking these boxes off and you know so i can kind of see well hopefully clever as serpents the clt will allow more schools to kind of switch over to that to do what's Good because now they've got tests that say yes, we've, we're successful. We, we're doing this, and and we can now get into these these schools or, or whatever with with these things. There's a justification to make the switch, um, which is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I, and I, <clears throat> you know, I'm not
3: a doomsday kind of person. Um, but I think I think what you're also going to be seeing. I don't know if it's this year or or next year, but you know, in in 2020 with with COVID, and then 2021. Um, it, 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 certainly kind of, it got parents more involved. Let's put it that way, right. Whether, you know, whether they wanted to, or they, they, they had to, but, but they started to pay more attention. And of course we, we know the images of the school boards, right. And parents actually getting involved and in, and demanding more transparency when it comes to curriculum, because maybe some of them for the first time realized the, the problematic content that some of these schools were teaching, right. And some of the methods. Um, that's good, right? We we should have that kind of transparency. And then, of course, we believe that CLT, at least, we believe that uh, parents are the primary educators, even though you I guess you can get canceled for that these days. I think 2023, 2024 might be the year where where parents are going to look more closely at the assessments that their students are taking. Because for the longest time, I think it was just that thing that you do. And you, when you mentioned a little right? It's like, you kind of have to, right? You kind of have to play the game. And you know what? For a long time, I mean... I, you didn't have the strength in numbers as a homeschool movement either yet, right? It's like, well, we're, we're kind of we're kind of on the fringe here. We kind of have that reputation anyway, so let's just play the game, be the clever serpent, um, show them what they need to see, and, and 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 continue to do our own thing. But but I think we're getting to a point where where these big testing companies, I mean, they're pretty progressive. I think that's no no secret. And and at CLT, we've we've always tried to um, not get into uh, kind of a, a Throwing shade on other companies, right, or just saying, "Oh, look how bad they are." We get a lot of that in politics, right? We don't, we don't need that in testing, you know. But at the same time, I think it's important for families to know how different we are from other tests. And uh, and I think a lot of families are not aware. And I think some of them still think that, "Oh, the SAT is what it used to be in the '70s and '80s." And by golly, it's it's not. It's not at all. Well, now we're we're hearing companies like uh, NWEA, which which does the MAP testing, and it's I think it's in 84 Catholic dioceses, uh, hundreds and hundreds of schools, and I, I mean you can't be surprised that these companies are progressive. Almost all major companies are, but it impacts what those kids are reading. And so if you go on CLT and you look at our author bank, you know you see everything from Catherine of Siena and Thomas Aquinas, you know all the way up to Flannery O'Connor, and and I'm looking at kind of the the reading recommendations and. Uh, let's put it this way: They, they again, they have an agenda. Now they are a secular company, and they can do that, right? They can recommend to kindergartners. Uh, uh, I don't even know the uh, something about drag queens. I, I I read that the other day. Uh, they can do that, but families should know about it at least, right? And and schools should know about it at least. I think that's that's going to be um, uh, if they're that open about it on their website. Can't even imagine what they put on their tests, even though they say, oh no, we don't. Um, but as a former teacher who administered tests, they always told us, well, don't look at the test for test validity. Don't look at the test. You know, you shouldn't like, well, but if you put in that on the website, I kind of have a right to know what you're putting in front of my students because tests are pedagogical, right? I mean, tests teach. And so, I, you know, we have a, uh, we just released a CLT3 sample and, you know, it has the Prince and the Pop and, and the, the Wind and the Willows and, and just beautiful, beautiful literature and fairy tales that families can be uh, confident in that that their students are are reading reading beautiful passages, I just think we can't be certain anymore that that other testing companies that used to say their their values neutral are still that. And so again, um, this is of course the choice of the family, and the choice of the school. Um, but but I think this year in particular, families will pay a little bit closer attention, at least um, on 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 what their kids are exposed to.
0: Yeah, even before COVID for education as a whole, I, I mean, I'm a little sheltered because I've been in classical education now for like 16, 17 years and then went through TAC and was immersed in that prior to, to that. But uh, it seems to me that there is a real, I mean, it's it's gaining ground, at least in, in Newman Guide schools, Catholic schools that I'm seeing, there's a desire for, even if people don't understand what classical means, Necessarily, they want something better. They want something um, that's that's worthwhile in itself. And so, for me, all of that kind of started back in the late '60s, from my perspective, because I'm on the TAC sort of channel there. But and then it's all Catholic as well. So I'm curious, from your perspective at CLT, is that what you're seeing too? Is it is it across the board with all Christians, people outside? the you know the church as it were um in other things is it is it growing as a whole or or what does it look like out there
3: yeah i think it's it's really really encouraging uh and in a way clt has kind of played the role of the 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 great convener of all the different pockets of, of classical and liberal arts education as a in a way a nexus point right um as as something that can we don't want to rally around a test per se but at least around a standard that, that we can all agree with and so jeremy has done a fantastic job kind of bringing together a board of academic advisors and, and 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 when you look at that board we have a list and and uh, on our website cltexam.com but yeah there, there are folks on the on the catholic side um you know there's 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 college presidents Um, there's, there's, there's leaders in, um, Michael Van Hecke from the Institute for Catholic liberal education. Right. And so you certainly have, have, have that kind of growth on the Catholic side where I think ICLE schools are now close to 200 now, um, which is, which is fantastic. I I know Colby, I mean, your enrollment has, has grown significantly. And I think a lot of the other, the other, um, Catholic homeschool uh, groups have as well, you see uh, tremendous, this grows on the Catholic, Catholic Christian, uh, sorry, the classical Christian side. I think they're they're a little bit ahead of the Catholics in in, in that regard. Now, I know the Catholic Church is, is slow moving and, and that's good. Um, and uh and you have, of course, such rich tradition where there's not as many new Catholic schools that start. There are some, the Chesterton uh, academies um, are certainly an exception. They're they're starting all these new, but high school only. I think they're they're going to be up to 63 schools um, this fall from 47 just last year which i think was 18 more than the year, years before but on uh, the catholic school side we're seeing more a uh, a converting so to speak of really failing progressive catholic schools uh being infused with the spark of classical or liberal arts um and it takes a while that that's difficult to do it's a little bit in a way a little bit quicker if you can just start from scratch, and that's what a lot of the classical Christian schools are doing. So I think uh, the Association of Classical Christian Schools, I think they're up to four hundred and seventy schools now, and they they grew by by almost a hundred, I think, just last year, almost a hundred new schools. Most of them K six, um, so they're still pretty bottom heavy, right? Uh, and so that that movement is is, is growing as well. Um, and then on the on the secular side, um, there's there's a there's a growing movement of, of of charter schools, of classical charter schools. And of course, they're kind of the, the first benefactors, uh, or many of the main benefactors of the the early uh, kind of school choice legislation. Um, and so you have organizations like Hillsdale College that is that is opening um, classical charter schools left and right. I want to say, um, but more so, you have the the founders' classical schools in in, in Texas and Arkansas. I think they're up to. 23 or 24 schools uh, and so uh, I think across the board uh, you're seeing a, a return to liberal arts classical education um, but it seems like we now also have the infrastructure um, the organizations that support that uh, where maybe maybe 20 30 years ago it, it it would almost seem impossible and you would feel completely on your own to do any of that maybe similar to homeschooling right There are not any many resources that there are that of course there are now um, it, is, it, is, it is happening, and uh, there's wait lists all over the place. There's, there's uh, interest forms being filled out to open new schools. I think parents are just, like you said, they're fed up um, with, with, uh, with the failure of education. I think they're fed up with their children being treated like guinea pigs, just the latest department of Ed research. And uh, I think the politicians have woken up to it. They're still politicians, so I don't know if it's because of the goodness of their heart, uh, or if they just realize that this is a winning message. Either way, um, a lot of governors have gotten involved, right? A lot of centers have gotten involved, with the with kind of the same language of parents are the primary educators, and and um, you know we need to we need to empower parents to make you know their own choices when it comes to education. So, I think everything is really encouraging. and maybe you can link that in in the show notes as well, but 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 Jeremy Tate, our our founder, he uh, he recently published a piece in in first things about that explosive growth in in k twelve education um, that outlines uh, um, a lot of what I, what I just said, it's a it's a really thoughtful, thoughtful piece. um and so certainly encouraging, and I think it's 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 just going to continue. that movement is just going to continue to grow.
0: We kind of feel like it's an, it's an inevitable victory as long as we can maintain the, the momentum, right? I mean, because the quality of education that you're talking about with the classical education compared with, as you were saying earlier, the way everything is trending, it's just undeniable. And, um, it's, it's interesting because we're, it's absolutely contrasting against the kind of the stranglehold that the educational institutions have had on the formation of, in my in my opinion of of students now for decades and decades and i think you know they've created a culture where you don't think you just you've been indoctrinated with the religion the the modern religion and that's what you're talking about but these new students whether they end up agreeing with that for whatever reasons that are logical, poor reasoning or thinking for themselves and being able to make continual improvements make continually look at things, continually grow things, I think it's, unless unless there's something that stomps us out, I think it's an inevitable victory.
3: I think so, too. And ultimately, you know, once you come for children, I mean, that's really, some of this toxic ideology has been out there for a while, right? But it's mostly been on the university level. Uh, I mean, you talk about critical theory, it's not like it's new. It's just hasn't really made it into K-12 until just a few years ago. And I think that's where parents are just and and by the way, we we are not talking about just conservative parents or just Christian parents. And I think that's something that it's always going to be portrayed as that right. Classical education is just for, you know, elitists and it's just for whites and it's just for it's just for Republicans. It's really, really not the case. Uh, and so don't don't let don't be fooled by maybe social media or, or, or whatnot. Um, and to illustrate that a little bit, I'm gonna tell you a quick story. I was in Vermont for Christmas because White Christmas is one of my favorite movies, and and so we thought my wife and I thought, well, why not go up to you know Vermont and actually have White Christmas? And so uh, Vermont politically is, I think we couldn't agree. It's it's fairly liberal, fairly blue state, and um, we were sitting at a, at a at a at a at a brewery as as a good German does, <laughs> uh, little, you know, a few days after after Christmas, and and there was a, a couple next to us and. And I don't even know how we got to talk about education. I mean, my wife will say, "Well, it's because you always some way find a way to talk about education." But um, <laughs> we got to the topic of education, and and we didn't really talk about politics. I could tell by uh, some of the conversation before and after that that the lady was uh, she was pretty liberal, but um, she told us she has she has an eight year old, a nine year old, and um, she said she's going to pull her daughter from from public schools. And and we got talking. And I said, "Oh, but." Well, what What made you make the decision? And she said, "Well,, um, I want my kid to be able to read and write, not to be an activist. and And that was really interesting, again, coming from someone who's who's politically, you know, on the left. And it was interesting because a few sentences later, she said, "Don't get me wrong. I want them to be an activist down the road." But they have to be able to read and write first. If they can't even read or write, how are they going to know anything? Right. And so I, I really think that it's 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 now more than just this this political left and right. It's you know, we're talking about children. Um, we're talking about a completely failed education system that by all metrics and measures is 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 uh is failing. And and I think parents are waking up. I think the challenge for our classical movement is to make sure that for lack of a better word, everyone feels welcome to join, right? Of course, we have a, a certain way we want to teach and we have certain ideas about, about the human person, um, but it's so much broader um, as well. And so, you know, folks that, that, that don't want to be indoctrinated, like you said, Stephen, at school, um, that, that don't believe in this progressive, um, um, again, ideology in school, in school, they might have their, their personal beliefs, but in school, it doesn't believe in the school. Um, they're going to, we're going to join forces. Um, and I think it's going to sweep the country. So I'm, I'm really, really hopeful. There are challenges still, right? Um, but um, I'm, I'm very hopeful that, that this beautiful education is, is going to, you know, continue to thrive. And ultimately, it's about human formation, right? It's about cultivating joy and wonder and nothing else. And uh, I think that's a message that 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 we can share not just with our our Christian brothers and sisters but beyond.
1: I have found the both the CLT website and the anchored podcast very helpful in delving more deeply into the topics, many of which you've touched upon today, and sort of getting a fuller picture of what it means to say the classical movement or some of the things you're referring to now, the progressive movement as well. And I have been grateful for our our Colby education, how those of us who don't have that background ourselves are able to learn along with our students. This has been such a great conversation. As I mentioned, we have some Kobe cast episodes that relate to this conversation we've had today. They are episode 120 with Jeremy Tate, founder of CLT. Also episode 127, forging a path with CLT's director of homeschool partnerships, Kimberly Farley. And episode 83, this is only a test with our own Maggie Hayden and John and Chris Bates. So check the show notes for links to those episodes. All right, Soren, do you have any final thoughts or takeaways you want to leave with our listeners?
3: Yeah, I mean, I would love if if um, if you're listening to this and, and you thought, you know, I never thought about assessment much or about testing. Um, I think like bonnie said the 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 anchored podcast is a really, really good resource. just listening to what's going on in the movement. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and and maybe learning about some colleges you haven't heard about or some interesting topics uh related to school choice, whatever it might be. Um, but also come to our website and and um it, it, there's actually a, a a page now about the grammar school testing. And so maybe you're you're a parent of a third, fourth, fifth, or sixth grader, um, or maybe younger and you know, and or older. Um, but we have a we have a sample test on the website, um a sample CLT3, just to look at it, look at the beauty of of the past. Messages, um, the art that that is on the test. Um, I think it's it's something that you know. Testing has always been seen as this thing that is completely um, removed from our day to day experience, either in the classroom or at home. And, and we want to bridge that gap. And so, uh, just take a look. Um, and of course, any any questions you might have, um, we are small enough of a company that uh, we can actually talk to parents, talk to educators, talk to folks, and and have a conversation. And you know and listen to their concerns and and, and provide advice so uh, please reach out to us um, we'd love to partner with with you all
1: it's been great meeting you today soren thanks so much for coming to visit with us
0: thanks everyone subscribe to the colby cast on your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss an episode and let us know how we're doing by leaving a rating or a review and as always feel free to email us at podcast at colby.org
1: Mary, our mother, pray for us. St. Maximilian Kolbe, pray for us. Ad mayorem Dei Gloriam.